Welcome to In the Gutter, a podcast that is all comics, all bangers, all the time, with story expert Lonnie Diane Rich and superhero scholar Joshua Unruh. One of the hosts has read almost no superhero comics, and the other has read almost all of them. We'll let you sort out which is which. And now, In the Gutter. Okay, so I mentioned earlier to you mm-hmm. that you might be entertained by my wardrobe choice sure. today. <laughs> now, I need to preface this with something that you know, but the listeners don't, and I can remind you, is that a lot of the people I work with, the majority of the mm-hmm. people I work with are in their early <laughs> to mid-twenties, okay? Early to mid-twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a few folks that are in upper 20s, lower 30s, but mm-hmm. like I got hired there and like, boop, fucked up the mean average age a solid <laughs> decade. It is also important for me to point out that mm-hmm. I have worn the stuff I wore today to work before and uh-huh. I have received compliments. Like I want this to like, okay, because when I'm going to say what it was, everybody's going to get a picture in their head and it's going to be a bad picture, but it's not. It's a good picture. I have received compliments. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. So today I wore to work a pair of boots and a sweater that I have owned since college. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All of you are have some like horrible fashion nightmare in your mind right now, but no, it's very, it's nice. It's a little mm-hmm. Abercrombie and Fitch sweater and these Doc Martin boots that I've had that long. Okay. Wow. Now there's no, there's no, like the heel used to be like whatever Doc Martin <laughs> heel height, like three inches. And now it's like, Half an inch, and there's no inside in the thing, but they still look great. And the sweater looks great. Mm -hmm. It's the thing. Okay. Now, so remember, these coworkers have complimented this outfit by saying to me, this is not the giant burn, by the way. The burn (laughs) is coming. But they complimented this by saying that they were like, oh, yeah, 90s nostalgia. And I was like, you have no fucking idea, children. Okay. But I do this, and it's fine. And, you know, I look good. No, It's it's compliments. It's fine. But mm-hmm. I mentioned this to my friend Jeff. Jeff is probably not listening, but just in case. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, I met in college. He has mm-hmm. been my friend as long as I've known my sweater and my boots. So, and, and Jeff is almost precisely my same age. Like, mm-hmm. our birthdays are, like, nine days apart. Yeah. Almost exactly the same age. And I, and I tell him this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm wearing... The sweater and boots that I've had since college. And this motherfucker (laughs) points out to me that that means my boots and sweater are older than the majority of my coworkers. (laughs) Oh, Jeff, that's cold, man. (laughs) Now, the thing is, notice... This is a man I've known since college. He is almost precisely my same age. He wanted to burn me so bad (laughs) that he was willing to take all that splash damage right back on himself. Man, A plus fucking commitment. Yeah. Right there. No, I mean, definitely got to respect that. (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah. Now, look, this is this is I'm at that point where every time I watch anything, I've got IMDb open on my phone being like, how old is that person? How old was that person when this was? Were they older than me? No. Or are they younger than me? I don't want to know. No, it's not good. I don't want to know. It's not good. I don't want to know. It's not good. And But but again, I don't, 
dislike my age. We were yeah. talking earlier and mm-hmm. I was like, if I'm breathing, I'm winning. Right. So it's like right. every year above mm-hmm. snakes is a A plus year. <laughs> we're we're down. But but every now and then, like I'll make a reference mm-hmm. that is, you know, just right in the sweet spot of my experience, and right. it's just blinking, and I'm like, oh, that whatever thing I just said went off the air before you were born. Cool story, you know. So yeah, that's the thing. Like our references age with us and become increasingly inaccessible. Because people who are older than us, our age or older, are rapidly a dwindling population. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah, you know, if you're still alive, that's really, are you alive or are you not? And if you're alive, then it's all good. You're, yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. And now, all right, unexpected Patreon exclusive. Yes. It's not going to be as exciting as it sounds. <laughs> but if, I don't know, let's say 10, if 10 people come and annoy me on the Discord... <laughs> I will take a picture of myself in my 25 plus year old. I love it. I love it. Abercrombie and Fetch Do I count as one of those people? If I I bug you on the Discord, am I one of that number? Uh, Yes. Okay, thank you. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Because what you're going to do is like, shit, I own both of those things. Like, you're going to be like, oh, fuck. That's like literally not even like a sweater like that. I had that sweater. Uh, You know, that's what's going to happen. It's entirely possible. All right. So here we are today with JLA number six. (laughs) Last week, we had Woman of Tomorrow which rocked. It was awesome. And here we are moving into a different kind of thing going on with the JLA. We've got this two-parter with angels and all sorts of, yeah. of shenanigans that, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't it's even just really an know. It's just, just an invasion, invasion from heaven. It's just an invasion from heaven. I don't know why you're... <laughs> why I'm making such a big deal out it. of it. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe you should go ahead and just give us a summary and get us started. In JLA number six, Fire in the Sky, we open with a comatose patient and the horrifying realization that the devil is, in fact, in the details. Neron, the lord of hell who really likes bargains and contracts, is on the move for some souls and gets the help of two primordial demons by letting them drag the moon out of the sky and smashing it to earth. Again, I don't know what you're so concerned about. Meanwhile, an angel falls from the sky and lands in San Francisco Bay. The JLA moves to investigate, but Flash is trapped in the transporter and Superman is stuck on the moon. The rest of the squad meets Zariel, a guardian angel late of the Eagle host who requested and was granted mortality for an as yet undisclosed reason. But Zariel has a secret, and it's a big enough one that Asmodel, chief harrier of the bull host of angels, is prepared to bring the full military might of heaven against Earth, if it means silencing Zariel. Luckily for Earth, the JLA is ready to go knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. (laughs) You know, there was a time in Listen Up A-Holes when we were talking about how wild everything was in the Marvel universe and how like, you know, the incredibly expansive it was. And you were like, hold on, hold my beer. One of these days we're going to talk about JLA and the heaven and hell wars and angels and demons and whatnot. And I was like, all right. And that day appears to be here. Yeah. Look, that's not shade on the Marvel universe, <laughs> yeah. either comic or cinematic. Mm-hmm. It is broad and expansive and weird shit happens. Mm-hmm. But there is just a scale. Yes. 
that is with DC. DC Mm -hmm. like has its own, like, you know, it's just a little order of magnitude bigger and weirder and more nonsensical. Mm -hmm. And then Grant Morrison is a force multiplier on that every single time. Because when when Grant writes for Marvel, it gets bigger and weirder and more expansive too. But it's still just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a 10-gallon bucket there, buddy. (laughs) Well, I think it's kind of neat because, you know, I I, I do another DC property. I do Sandman in the Endless podcast with Elisa Quitney. Um, And so one of the things, like, and I did kind of notice it here. They were talking about, like, the rhyming demons in this and i'm like we've got Mm -hmm. rhyming demons there are angels there are you know demons there's all of that kind of stuff in sandman but it feels consistent within the sandman universe and something about this it it actually like it's it's okay like it works like i'm not this doesn't bother me like i'm not i'm not bothered the way that i was with patsy (laughs) i'm not like i hate all I am, it's all, it's a lot. Like when I've talked about the efficiency of storytelling in comics and how you can fit so much information on a page, like this is at a scale that like, I can't even keep up. I am, and this is a very old reference, speaking of old references, but, uh, but in the I Love Lucy show, and the gif is everywhere. So at least people have seen that. The chocolates (laughs) that just keep on coming and she can't wrap them fast enough. So they're flying all over the floor and she's stuffing them down her shirt. Like, I am stuffing angels down my shirt in this. There's so much shit going on, and I cannot keep up. Okay, now, here, (laughs) this is going to blow your mind, but for real, I have the exact same feeling when I am reading Grant Morrison DC Comics. So it's not not just me. Okay. No. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. Like, like I I sometimes am like, is that a guy? Do I just not know that guy? Because I know almost every guy. Should I know this person? Right. Who is that guy? Yeah. Even I'm doing that, right? <laughs> and and the thing is, you're in good hands, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you don't know from the page, you don't need to know. It's just, like, sort of added layers. But, like, that, everything louder than everything else, you know, it's like the 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 wall of sound of storytelling. I'm just the Memorex guy, you know. <laughs> ha, old references. Another Everybody, old hey, reference. this might be this might be a drinking game. Um, <laughs> we're not going to do it on purpose, but every time Lonnie and I make an outdated reference during this... <laughs> episode if you are a drinking person have a shot let's absolutely. see how we're doing at the end absolutely we'll um, see how we're doing. yeah mm-hmm. like so yeah you're not alone like that's that's me i've read this book like i'm not if i said a thousand <laughs> times i might honestly not be lying to you and i'm still just like boy a lot of shit is happening what right now is <laughs> happening all right so your overall response then to this particular issue uh how are you feeling about this issue of jla Okay, I really, I really like that you mentioned that we're coming out of Tomorrow Woman. Yes. Right? Because I'm like, after a brief moment of asking big questions about souls <laughs> and nature of humanity and the power of choice, and it's like, next issue, big fuck off fight. Except, <laughs> if you can believe it, it's still about souls, the nature of humanity, and the power of choice. It's still literally about, well, these two issues. Yeah. Right? We don't get a lot of the power of choice, but in like Zariel is really like kind of a poster child for that, about right? That. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, it, the themes are the same. No, no shit. <laughs> it's, but it's coming the at experience it. is yeah. so different. It's coming yeah. at it from a different, a different kind of place. And there is a, 
a sort of frenetic feel to it that at a point it feels like you know, you're hanging on to the edge of a jet ski and just bouncing <laughs> over the waves as they're coming at you. And Grant Morrison is driving and they're just looking back at you being like, hey, hang on if you can. You know, I can't really do anything for you. We're just moving. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so you, you have know. no idea how much I wish I could say what you just said in a Glaswegian accent, <laughs> because that would be... <laughs> Grant Morrison telling it That's to you. That's just how we're going. I mean, and again, like, we're going to go through this. I'm going to go through bit by bit everything <laughs> that I saw in this comic in detail. And it's going to be the same thing that we do every time where I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. And then I tell you everything. And then you say, yep, that's it. But I have to say, yeah. like, even with that feeling, like, I don't hate it. It's just so much stuff. And I have no idea what the hell is going on with any of it. Um, at, at least I, I don't think I do. We'll go through that and I'll, I'll get a sense of, of, of what I picked up on and what I missed. I have to say the art is the one thing that like, Yo. no matter what is going on in the story. And I love Grant Morrison. Like I just, as I said last week, I am Grant Morrison's bitch. I think there's some really great work going on here. <laughs> But I have to hand it to Howard Porter. This yeah. art is phenomenal. And it's not just like any one page or any one thing. It's the whole accumulation of it. Like it is all of it so incredibly good. Um, and I find myself, especially at times where I'm not understanding what's going on, I will just stare at the page and not understand mm -hmm. the story bits and just be like, those visuals are fucking on point, you know? So, it's which all, is funny because true. I'm not I mean, a visuals it's, it's, person. I'm a story I'm at the, person. you know, uh, I'm at the, the point where my commentary is like, with a good. name like Porter, it got to be good. <laughs> like, that's all I got. It's just Smucker's Jam all over this. <laughs> You know? Okay, well, so we've got this cover, right, where we have the demon, who we will come to know as Neuron, right, who is mm -hmm, drinking mm -hmm. from a glass that has this, like, blood red liquid in it, but I'm sure it's, you know, mm -hmm. you, you think it's got a wine association, but, you know, like, the fact that it is blood red wine is not you lost on everything that it's mm -hmm. that he's doing. And he is drinking, like in the wine, in his glass, are the members of the JLA, all of them struggling to get away from falling down his demonic gullet, right? Um, yeah, yeah. The thing that I love about this art, first of all, I love that when I looked at it, I was like, with before having read anything, I was like, that is really interesting. I don't know what the hell's going on. I don't know what this dude is, but this is going to be interesting to see that. Also, that it is not a literal representation of anything that like actually happens <laughs> in the story. Yeah. It is this metaphorical, you know, um, consuming of souls. Right, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's like that's it's the vibe yeah. out of it. Yeah, that you're, that we're getting that. So it's really fun to see something that is a metaphorical illustration of of what this feels like. It brings me back, um, not in style, but in in that kind of sense to the Dave McKean uh, covers for the Sandman yeah, series. Yeah, yeah. That, that Dave McKean's covers are almost always a metaphorical um, kind of. This is what it feels like, not what it actually literally is, kind of thing. Um, so I really enjoyed that about the cover and i thought the cover was just fantastic yeah i mean i can't i can't argue it's really great i i think that my favorite thing about it is that 
the stakes look really big on the cover. Yeah. But as you read the story, the JLA, this is a little bit of a spoiler for the yeah. next issue. Mm-hmm. The JLA have no idea Neuron's involved. <laughs> they right. never have a fucking clue. So like as big as those stakes are, the ac- like on the cover, the actual stakes of the story, literally yeah. global yeah. in scale, you know, <laughs> and it's just, yeah. The, makes the cover look positively parochial. Uh, yeah, seriously, yes. Everything, <laughs> and it is it is so much. And like I said, I've read each of these issues because this is the one time where I've spoiled myself and I had to because I couldn't leave it at the end of this issue. I was like, I need to understand what's <laughs> going on here. Um, but, you know, I've read these issues and I have some understanding of of what's going on in here but the the cover and the relationship of that to what this feels like as opposed to what it is the fact that mm-hmm. neuron never actually makes contact you know he's just kind of like this background antagonist which is fine your protagonist does not need to know who's you know causing some shit also is causing some shit simultaneously with other people causing some shit so all of this stuff yeah, is going yeah. on together but i find it interesting that neuron which seems to be kind of a more minor part of the story has that the the sense of the the metaphor of what's going on with the coming after people's souls mm-hmm. is still kind of front and center to not what it is, but what it means. Right. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. You're on it. And, yeah. and it's, we are now doing allegorical metaphors mm-hmm. on the cover of our allegorical metaphors. Right. <laughs> it's turtles all the way down, man. Um, so in the interior art, like again, I think it's, absolutely fantastic there are so many things when we get to the end where i had to choose my favorite art that was a bit of a struggle for me because man there are a lot of things that are just excellent um in this um but you know i have to say like you know every time we talk about howard porter it's going to be a lot of the same thing it's going to be that using every part of the pig you know it's going to be the the way that that he uses gutters and imagery and movement and kineticism and specificity. Like there's so much going on in this art that like, even, you know, for people who don't like comics, I would say you have to, like, I would, I would put this art on my fricking walls. Like, any yeah, one of these yeah, pages absolutely. I would put on my walls. I just think it's incredible. So, uh, so it is very fun to kind of, uh, you know, see art that is doing so many interesting things in such a small space. Um, But okay, so now before we go too deep into what does it mean as opposed to what is it, right? Um, Uh I just want to go through the check my math portion of today's program because I'm, you know, no one is taking the time to explain Anything. And I spend a lot of my time in these comics being like, what is going on? Who is that? Wait, what is that? And flipping back and forth until I'm able to weave some sort of something together. And the thing is, anybody who has listened to any of the things that Josh and I've done together, this is a familiar thing. I am certain I have no idea what's going on. And apparently I did somehow manage to get it all. So what I have is this. We open with some bored nurses and a guy in a coma, and in the flowers by his bed, there are demons. And then we have some narration. (laughs) Hell like heaven is right here, you know, which I really, really liked. Um, So we've got Lord Neron, Wrath, and Agnagazar, who I'm assuming are demons, and I'm absolutely certain I 
pronounce that poorly. Um, all talking about our trade is in souls. Um, and then we go into a being that is diving down from the moon and landing into the water. Is that, that's all right. Uh, I think, is I that think a being? that the it's moon, a feather. Yeah. Uh, that was Zariel, right? So that's the, so, that's Zariel. That's the angel feather. Yes. And did not fall from the moon. I think just the moon is the just sky. dramatically in the background. Okay. He, yeah, it just blipped into existence from heaven at, you know, a sure. thousand miles up or whatever the hell. Awesome. We've got yeah. so much stuff that's associated with the moon that when I see it in the shot with the moon, then I'm thinking that it's the moon. All right, good. Um, no, I actually totally like it reasonable. when you tell me I'm wrong and I've missed something because I feel very much like I'm wrong. And there is some sense of being validated when you're like, no, that's not right. <laughs> I, it's weird. That's weird, but okay. Being validated in my <laughs> sense that I have absolutely no idea what's going on. All right. So then we go to Superman, who is holding up a, a globe of the Earth in the headquarters on the moon. And I don't know why he's like, it looks like they are redecorating or putting it somewhere. But he's got they this, are decorating their trophy room. They're decorating the trophy room. If is in the first panel, the 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 supercomputer oh, thing from yes. the previous from the previous issue is in there and there's like Captain Cold's guns and, you know, some other stuff that I know. Okay. So they're redecorating the trophy room. Yeah. Okay. First of all, let me just say, I love this beyond the telling of it. Like these couple of pages <laughs> where we have Flash and Superman decorating. Ooh, so good. And you have Superman holding the world like Atlas, with the weight of the world on his shoulders as he says, I don't know how comfortable I am with this myth of me that people actually believe in. Um, and he is struggling with his sense of self. He and Flash are having a conversation about their feelings. And I love when we show men engaging in those kinds of oh, conversations, yeah. you know, like where they can actually talk about how they're feeling. It lasts for one page. I get it. We got to move on. But I really did like enjoy that. And I enjoy the decorating aspect and all of that kind of stuff. Then we've got Green Lantern. Oh, can who, I, yes. I want to put a pin right here because yes. I want to point out a couple of things. Yes. So we're we're uh, in the span of that many pages. You have already had not one, but two teases of what's going to happen in the story after this one. <laughs> so not next issue, but the two issues after that. <laughs> it is a lot. Two, it is two a already. Lot. You're not supposed to know them because right. they're foreshadowing, but you did. But uh, it's, also, it's yes, in there, yes. <laughs> I super love any time. You know, I mentioned to you yeah. before that like JLA is always these big giant mm -hmm. things, and then we get these like brief moments. And what's wild to me is one page, you're like, it's only one page, but I'm like, that's 122nd. Of this it's a lot crazy thing. So for this issue, have. it's yeah. kind of a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's a like a lot page. of space. To spend a whole page on two guys having a conversation about and then I love this too that Superman is like, well, you know, how does Batman manage to make his own rules? You know, and all of that, <laughs> and like comparing himself to Batman. And then of course, like Flash is like by being cold and hard and you're Superman, you couldn't act like that if you rehearsed. Like the sense of self, the sense of who you are, the struggling with identity, like all of that in one page while we have two men decorating. Like, I love it. I love uh, all of that. 
there's a, just a little bit of subtext there, too, that I would like to tease out. So remember that this Flash is Wally West, the third Flash, yes. mm-hmm. second in the line of modern Flashes, like right. post-war Flashes. Mm-hmm. And he is the nephew of the original Flash. And while his uncle was still alive, Wally was his sidekick as Kid Flash. Kid Flash was also a founding member of the Teen Titans. Robin was also a founding member of the Teen Titans, uh-huh. like the first Robin, right. Dick Grayson. Mm-hmm. They are best friends. <laughs> Wally and Dick have known each other essentially their entire adult lives, like mm-hmm. since they were 15 or 16. So when Wally says, because he acts cold and hard to know, he is talking about his best friend's dad. <laughs> well, so he really knows. Like he He really knows. knows. Yeah. He really knows. Yeah. It's I love it's kind that. of it's yeah. kind of amazing. And Superman, who is, you know, kind of like the older, you know, statesman, the elder statesman of all of these, yeah. right? He's been around for a minute, right? You know, and here are these young kids coming in and he is confiding in them. He is talking about his issues, his sense of self like all of that, I think is really great, you know? Um, Uh, Yes. Yeah, it's pretty great. Then we move in and we've got, uh, in one page also, like, (laughs) (laughs) this is the thing, like how quickly all this stuff happens. So we have Green Lantern trying to like come through the transponder, what is it called? Transporter. Okay, Flash. Flash tried to leave the moon with Superman Flash is trying to leave, yeah. but isn't that Green Lantern who is saying, hey, John had a call, a crisis call from San Francisco. Yes. So, and he's also stuck in the transporter. So then Flash is like, I can get there in one minute from the moon to San Francisco. You know, all right, fine. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Green Lantern is not in the transporter, but I think I understand Wait, the isn't he? It so says, when Flash yeah. is in the transporter, uh-huh. he looks like he's kind of covered up in blue light. Yeah. And... Green Lantern kind of always looks like he's covered up in green light. Green Lantern's and face. I think... Okay, so it's Flash who gets stuck, but Green Lantern is actually like, is he he's doing already like on a, Earth. He's, he's fine. He's doing a Zoom call. He's doing a superhero yes, Zoom call. Yes, that's exactly. I get it. I get it now. And then you Flash goes into the transporter, and that's when things go bad. Yeah, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. All right, so. Then in San Francisco, John finds an angel in the bottom of the sea and in hot pursuit are Asmodel's people who are also angels. Like I'm presuming they've got the wings. They all seem like angels um, who come after Zariel. And the first thing they say pretty much is there is no mercy. There is no pity. We cannot be stopped. Yada, yada, yada. Evil monologuing. And I'm like, that's awesome. But also like these are angels. Clearly, angels are not the good guys that we had kind of thought that they might be. So all of this action is going on in this space. John is like, okay, here we are. We're we're speaking telepathically. Feels like home yes. to me. Then the water right. splits. So it's like, you know, Red Sea Redux. All of this stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So much going on. Okay. So we've got that. Then now we're in Japan. And yes. and Wonder Woman and Aquaman are battling a robot monster. So it's not like anybody ever two just, robot monsters. Two robot monsters. It's not like anybody <laughs> ever has just a day when they're getting coffee. Like you know, there's there's always eight million little crises going on around the world, and everybody's always in yeah. the middle of doing them. So Wonder Woman gets the call. She's in the middle of this. But she's like, all right. Aquaman is like, I'm going to go with you, which she was not expecting. So I'm just curious, like, is there some kind of relationship going on between Aquaman and Wonder Woman? Like, what is that deal? No. 
Okay. Uh, so the thing is, they're both royalty. Yeah. And so I think that they get paired up a lot, just uh-huh. kind of in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. So there's not really like a burgeoning relationship. I don't. Oh, wait. They might have toyed with that actually in this time. It hey, just listeners, seems, yeah. there's a couple of you who would know what was <laughs> up. I'm. Th- yeah. Like I might be misremembering. So maybe there was actually. It feels like there's I'm gonna get something. Back to you. I'm coming with you. I thought I'd answer the alarm too. And she's like, what? You know, so I don't, it just seems, it seems the thing like is, a weird thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen in this book. Right. So, so I think it, oh, uh, okay. I'm going to get back to you. All right. Next issue is still this story. All right. I am researching this. We will talk about it then. All right. So, anyway, back to the bottom of the sea with Zariel the angel and Asmodel's people who are continuing to threaten Zariel, who, and Zariel tells John to make a run for it. He's just like, get the fuck out of here. This is way above your pay grade, right? Then Green Lantern shows up as a fish. Well, he makes a fish with his ring to be a dick. He okay. Yeah. All right. So he's he's just quipping. He's just making yeah, he's a just green being... fish and just quipping because this yeah, is if you can't fuck with the would be world beaters, who can you fuck with? Right? <laughs> Come on. Fair enough. All right. So then he gets zapped back by Asmodel's main dude, who I think we're gonna find out that his name is Tromiel. Is that who that is? Yeah, but don't get married to it. It doesn't really matter. Okay, it doesn't really matter. All right. So anyway, uh Aquaman shows up, punches this guy, a guy sends him flying. John gets pissed, and this is actually really, really fun. How many times must we face your kind? Would-be conquerors and master races so full of your own superiority. You will not see reason or hear the voice of sanity. Well, fuck yeah, John. Way to lay it out. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I legitimately get chills when I read that he's speech. Like, pissed. He's mad. Yeah. He's legit. He is righteously angry, righteously which is the angry. worst possible kind. <laughs> you are in so much trouble. <laughs> I love this. And he goes, but see this, hear this. And then Tramiel is like, well, we're not going to do anything. And as soon as you hit us, we are going to go to a place where we will vibrationally heal or whatever. And so it doesn't matter yeah, what you yeah, do. You cannot, right. you cannot beat us. Uh, then uh-huh. Wonder Woman lands on Tramiel, knocking him out for a minute. Then Tramiel grabs Aquaman no, and flies off with somebody angel, else. Angel. Okay, so it's another one. Yeah, who... it was. It was the. It was the angel that Aquaman punched. All right, first because there were two angels. Right, there were two separated. angels. Tramiel was one of them. Then the other one. Okay, so the other one grabs Aquaman and goes flying off. Is that right? Yes. Is that where we are? Correct. Okay. At 100%. All right. Uh, Wonder Woman wants answers from Zariel, who seems really into it, and he's flirting with her. Yes, ma'am. Like, what? I don't even... I don't know. It's just weird. Anyway. Gotta shoot your shot, man. Uh, yeah. I. We'll talk about that later. There's just too much going on for us to actually pause for the Wonder Woman Zariel thing. All right. So Green Lantern flies in and creates a cage for the bad angels. Then they worry about Flash, who has been caught in a transporter beam. Superman reports that the JLA headquarters on the moon is shaking. And then mm-hmm, we're mm-hmm. back 
to the demons and the demons right. are chatting about how little it takes to throw everything into chaos. One of the demons yep. asks if he'd take the moon. We see him carrying it on his back, not dissimilar to the way, to the like way that Superman was holding up the weight of the world earlier. And I was like, oh, is that like a reference to that? But clearly Lonnie, this demon that doesn't is a care. three beat. <laughs> okay. And the third beat is in the next issue. All right. Well, we'll and hold. And it involves Superman. We will hold that. So just that. remember. We will beat. hold that for okay. a minute. All right. You know how I love a three beat. <laughs> All right. Um, so anyway, back to our heroes who land on the ground by the Golden Gate to chat, disrupting uh, some dude's smoke break. Like, who is that dude? It's just a guy smoking, and then all of a sudden the JLA lands there. He's sitting in a patch of roses. Who is that dude? <laughs> it's just a dude. It's just a dude. All right. It's just okay. a guy. I thought maybe that was somebody like significant or that you would know. So, okay. So this guy is sitting, uh, having a picnic or you know, just having a smoke, just taking a smoke break. It does look like a joint, but I'm not going to say, you know, at this, I, I don't know. It could just be regular. None of our regular. business. None of our business. Yeah. Um, so then Wonder Woman and John the Martian Man and the glowing green lantern and an angel come flying down into this clearing where this guy is just smoking a doobie, you know, and they yeah, just start yeah. having this little, you know, conversation um, about like what the hell is going on and get some explanation about Asmodel and, you know, what how bad he is. You know, his blood is the universal solvent and acid 10,000 times purer than any on Earth. I have to say, angels and hyperbole seem to be like right in tune with each other. Like they, this is all like such big scale. Well, so I don't think it's technically hyperbole if it's all true. If it's all true, <laughs> it feels. Yeah, I mean, it feels super mythic. But of course, you know, well, we'll see how all of heaven, that kind of works a big deal. Out. Heaven you is know. kind of a big deal. Um. <laughs> All right. Also, it's at this point that I noticed that Wonder Woman is our only feminine representation in this whole sausage fest that is just men. And like all white men. I mean, OK, yes, Jean is green, but still, like as far as we're talking about like representation of people who might actually live on Earth, if there is that, it is all white. So that also yeah. feels a little bit weird. But you know what? I'm just I'm, I'm making a note. And we're we're moving on. Uh, that that problem will lessen over time, but with characters that stretch all the way back to the 30s, it will not be solved. Right. There's a lot of work to be done, let's just say, at this yes. point. All right. So Zariel explains everything. He's a former guardian angel of the Eagle Host of the Pax Day. He quit. He requested mortality. Um, Green Lantern's like, you're an angel, as if that's weirder than any of the other shit that any of them are, you know. Um, and Zariel warns <laughs> them about Asmodel, so we get into our hyperbole there. Then we have Green Lantern basically being me. So let me get this straight. You're an angel, and the other guys <laughs> are trying to kill you are angels, so I, re I felt really seen. Once again, Green Lantern is kind of my guy. You know, he's asking all of the questions. character. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so Zariel says, like, he knows things, 
you know, um, being a little vague. And now that he's mortal, he's vulnerable to the angels coming to, like, kill him. Um, mm-hmm. So now this is the point where they all realize that they just left Aquaman with Tramiel's buddy, who is probably going to use his head as a speed bag. Zariel says he'll go and save Aquaman, and then John offers to go with, and Zariel says no. As he leaves, he tells them to clear out before Asmodel arrives, and he flies off. Meanwhile, okay, this is not Tramiel. This is Tramiel's buddy who is chasing Aquaman through a pool, crashing into a building. Um, And it's only at this point that I realized that angels have two toes. You know, I, I I had a moment where I was like, oh, is there a cloven foot association here? But honestly, I don't have the brain space to even think about anything like that. Uh, oh, uh, you are correct. Okay. I'm going to give you props on this one. Okay. Because he's a member of the bull host. So it looks like a cloven hoof, like a bull. Okay. When you get to see more of Zariel, if you look closely at Zariel, like he's got bird's eyes yeah. and he's got, yeah, eagle host. Get it. All right. Yeah. Okay, so here we go. So while Tramiel's buddy, who remains unnamed, is threatening Aquaman, Zariel comes in, slaps him back, and Aquaman says Qatar, which I have no idea what that means, but whatever. I'll tell you in a minute. Barely holding on to what's going on, (laughs) and I cannot take one more name. So Zariel turns this angel into ash by messing with angelic vibrations or something like that saying it could take years for him to reconstitute himself so we don't have to worry about that dude now aquaman says there's something wrong with the tides which makes sense because a demon is walking around with the moon on his back and pulling on the moon then there's this glowing pyramid in the sky and zariel says that heaven is way too much for earth to handle asmodel's chariot breaks through the sky zariel's freaking the fuck out all matter is going to be destroyed blah 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 and green lantern says they should call superman and superman is all like yeah we're fucked up here i'll do what i can but the moon seems to have fallen to fucking earth (laughs) then green lantern says he has to go because door dash just delivered the apocalypse and that's it and that's so that i got so am i reading that nailed it (laughs) nailed it i had a couple of little little bits and bobs that we had to adjust but overall nailed it 98 (laughs) percent there man i cannot believe that I read that right. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a lot. But let's go back to the the thing that I find really interesting is we open up with these nurses, you know, kind of sitting by the bedside of a of a patient that's in a coma. We go inside the flowers that are at the patient's bedside, and within those flowers are the demons. And so we kind of have this like zoom in, zoom in, zoom in. Hell is right here, and all of that is great. But the the coma patient seems to me to be clearly significant in some way, although I of course have no understanding of any of that uh we will not be discussing him <laughs> okay until very briefly <laughs> right. next episode okay. and then in great depth the next time we return to jla okay. so i will say to you yes he is somebody and it's gonna be a big problem for the jla mm-hmm. and he is one of the two teases that i mentioned the other one is the trophy room Ooh, interesting so uh, this character and the trophy room are teases for the, the next problem. <laughs> right. And this is the thing. When we're talking about story efficiency, right? 
Um, one of the things, the more efficient you want to make your stories, the more like tightly packed you want to make them is that you never have anything that is only doing one job, right? So here mm -hmm. we are at that point, you know, we're looking in at the demons. We're seeing this like kind of mundane, very human experience of somebody in a hospital. Um, and then we zoom in and it's demons and yada, yada, yada. Um, in a less skilled writer, that, you know, page with the with the guy could have just been a random moment of mundanity, you know, but with yeah, Grant yeah. Morrison, who is really taking every part of the pig to, you know, an extreme as well. Um, I really, you know, I like knowing that even though I don't know what those jobs are that these things are doing now, like the, the trophy room is neat, you know, and they're doing all of this stuff. And that in itself, I was like, okay, well, that's kind of cool. Knowing that the trophy room is also going to be significant a little bit later. Mm hmm means that we're planting these seeds like you're constantly planting these seeds and as writers for the writers who are out there there's definitely a lesson i think to be learned in that in that if you're doing something for one purpose see if you can make it fulfill two purposes or three yes you know yes, because yes. the thing is that when you make it fill one purpose um your reader is going to notice that and be like oh when it when it fills two purposes your reader is going to be like oh okay now that's why that was there oh i get it when it fulfills three three is where you can get that twist in and where you can surprise mm -hmm. people and shock them because the people who are savvy think you've already given them the second purpose, you know? So it, it can be a really fun way to kind of like get things in, get surprises into your story, but it's, it's, it's fun. I'm really glad that, that they did that in the story. I, I just, it's really impressive. I mean, I mean, it just really is. And, and to me specifically in a way, because a lot of serialized superhero comics today do not serialize themselves very well mm -hmm. right um or or they treat it like each issue is a chapter mm -hmm. in a larger story instead right. of like kind of the like we're always just going mm -hmm. the constant churn of the we just happen to be looking in on these people's lives today and this is the bad shit stuff that happened <laughs> you know um so uh, yeah just basically props for mm -hmm. treating serialized fiction like it's serialized a plus right. and the thing i really appreciate you don't know who this person is i didn't know who this person was the first time i read this yeah. and i'm not even gonna get a fucking hint for 44 <laughs> pages across at my yeah. experience mm -hmm. two months yeah right eight weeks 44 pages that's when it's gonna pay <laughs> off damn <laughs> All right, so let's talk a little bit about bringing angels and demons <laughs> into this JLA universe and how all of that kind of works. I, I mean, okay, what <laughs> what are your questions? <laughs> when you say how does it work, I'm like, I I believe don't, my question I do not is know where to start. Uh, like angels. Okay, okay, because okay, here's the thing: like when you have particular kinds of universes that come together. Like if you're doing a sci-fi story and you've also got kind of like a fantasy universe, sometimes mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. it's not done skillfully, those things can kind of scrape against each other a little bit in, yeah. in tone and scope and world building and all that kind of stuff. So here we have, I think the, the superheroes, I mean, you know, Superman is from space, 
you know, like a lot right. of these, John is from space. So there's a lot of a sense of like a sci-fi feel to a lot of the stuff that's going on in your superhero sure. comics in general, right? So now here we have these mythological figures. And I kind of had that struggle a bit with in the Marvel Universe when we've got, you know, Iron Man and Captain America and all this stuff and Thor. Like, and then Thor, yeah. God of fucking thunder shows up. And I'm like, how am I supposed to deal with a God in this world space? And so here we have like angels and demons and heaven yep. and hell. Like, how does this fit into the space for you? Or is the DC universe so incredibly expansive? There is absolutely nothing that it can't find a place for. Oh, that's superhero comics right there, yeah. actually. Mm -hmm. um, but also I want to point out that we have had a divine presence. Mm -hmm all throughout JLA up till this point, in Wonder Woman, mm -hmm. who is empowered by Greek gods. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're already, we've, we've had we're the fantasy there. aspect sort right. of mm -hmm. in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, a thing that, that I really appreciate about superhero comics is that they are uh, sort of the perfect genre mashup. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. I really don't know. The only thing I can figure is that there were just so many influences getting thrown at them mm -hmm. at the beginning. So, like, you've got Superman coming in, obviously a science fiction story. Mm -hmm. And, like, two minutes later, you've got Batman, which is just mysteries. Just, like, it's just yeah. a mystery story, mm -hmm. you know. Not very long after that, you get your Wonder Woman, and now we have this big fantasy and mythology aspect. Mm -hmm. And that's, like, boom, boom, boom. Those are your first three. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you decide that they have to be able to hang out... <laughs> You just, all right, I guess it all fits. Yeah. Like, I guess it all works, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I do think that, like, heaven and hell is really interesting. Yeah. Because, I mean, you all have been talking about a lot of heaven and hell off and on on Endless. Yes. Because mm -hmm. heaven and hell are, like, factions. That's a big That have to of, be yeah. mm -hmm. balanced and dealt with. It's like a cold war. Right. Um, and it's, so it's still big because it's happening in these like massive extra planar spaces. But mm -hmm. it's also because those are just really different stories. It's right. almost like um, like the boardroom of hell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like it's important because it's hell, but yeah. it's boardroom, <laughs> you know. Whereas this uh -huh. is like cackling demon lords talking about buying and selling cells yeah. and or souls and mm -hmm. smashing the moon into the so <laughs> even here uh -huh. the scale is like it kind of depends on what the story is like but i mean yeah you have mythology you've got science fiction you've got i i should say mythologies because i mean mm -hmm. it's just whatever it is you just put some superhero paint on it right and then they then they can hang out mm -hmm. with all the rest of them mm -hmm. you know so, yeah, I, I mean, and this has kind of been from Jump, uh, really, because one of the original members of the Justice Society is the Spectre, and he turns out to be the angelic wrath of God. <laughs> That's well, no big deal. Just I, what's up. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's a, well, we, do have, we do have Zariel a couple of times saying God. Right. In the way that we would say it. Yes. Like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, except he doesn't say that. He says, oh, God, you know. And I'm like, okay, so yeah. is God an actual figure in all of this? And like, what is that about? And how does that work? Um, where angels who are supposedly here to be like good. I mean, they're not, they're not great. You know, like. they're Okay. I want to take yeah. a step back from that. Yeah. Angels, not good. Mm-hmm. Like, like in the ways that we would conceive them. And right. I mean, even in sort of original text, like mm -hmm. even if you 
refer to like the New Testament or the yeah. Tanakh. Like mm-hmm. every time an angel shows up, they are not cute, fat mm-hmm. babies. <laughs> because every time they show up, it's one of two things. Uh-huh. They are basically humanoid, mm-hmm. but everybody's immediate response is to fall face first on the floor. Like yes. the first thing an angel has to say every time they show up is, don't be afraid. Every time. <laughs> Every time. This is with almost without fail. Uh-huh. The first thing they have yeah. to say. And the other option is that they are not humanoid at all. Mm-hmm. And they're big fucking concentric rings of eyeballs and wings <laughs> spinning around each other in, in the sky. Uh-huh. Like, mm-hmm. so, so angels like are the, when, when it says heavenly host, host is not like a big group. It's an army. <laughs> oh my God. Angels are warriors. Yeah. Angels are fighters. Mm-hmm. Like that's the, that's the thing. No cute fat babies. Mm-hmm. None. So you know now ostensibly, yeah, they're like in service of the Almighty, who's good. So who they're doing good things. But I to mean, be good. yes. Mm-hmm. I guess this would be another place for us to point out the difference between good and nice. Yeah. <laughs> Angels typically pretty good. Nice? Fuck no. <laughs> well, see here though, they don't seem. They don't seem very nice. They're not good. They're not any. They're just coming and fucking shit up. And they do not care. They don't care about the life that is lost. They don't care no. about. Not yeah. as Asmodel, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So this is, I think we'll just do a little bit. Right. This is a minor spoiler, mm-hmm. but we're going to go ahead and do it because we want to talk about the fact that Asmodel is also atypical, you mm-hmm. know, from angels. Because the secret that Zariel knows is that Asmodel is planning a rebellion in heaven. Asmodel ah. is convinced that he can succeed where Lucifer failed. Uh-huh. Right? Okay. So, not a good guy. No. Right? Like, uh, is he an angel? Is he a demon? Like, is almost the wrong question, and mm-hmm. we can talk more about that in a minute. Right. If you want. It's not strictly superhero stuff. It's just, uh-huh. you know, angels and demons. But, like, he's not a good mm-hmm. example of his species or race right. or extra planar being whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. Asmodel's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it's interesting that because he's in the position that he's in, because he is like the chief harrier of the mm-hmm. bull host, which I kind of get is like the general of the best army right. of the best army, mm-hmm. right? Like the best platoon of the best army. Okay. And if, if he were doing this because the presence, which is kind of how he refers to God in that space, if... The, if he was doing this on behalf of the presence, he's a good guy. <laughs> but he ain't, so he ain't. So he ain't, right? Exactly. Um, so it's kind of interesting. Like I, I, I'm interested in bringing in angels and demons because whenever anybody yeah. brings like religious ideas and icons into their storytelling, it comes into that storytelling kind of charged with whatever that meaning is to the culture in which they're bringing the storytelling. You know, um, I've talked about that a lot on Still Pretty, which was my Buffy podcast about how they would use all of this imagery, specifically Catholic imagery, you know, the crucifix Mm -hmm. and the holy water and the wafers and all of that stuff that is very, very, you know, Catholic and that it comes in charged with a power from the meaning, but they kind of strip it from that meaning and use it in a way that is iconic and yet not attached to what the original meaning of any of that is. Um, And I think we're seeing 
some of that in in if you're separating out like the religious aspects of angels and demons mm-hmm. that we so associate all of this with and really are talking about them in terms of the mythology you know that they mm-hmm. cuz the mythological the source you know material the the text that gives us a lot of this stuff you know like you said when do not be afraid this is you know like a big like they're scary things you know um and they're not always there to help us they're there to do whatever they're there to do you know but they're incredibly powerful so i think when you fold that mythology in but it has that religious context and depending upon the culture who where your readers are and what it is that they are bringing extra textual to that, I think that there is a lot of complication that happens when you kind of use those religious icons in your storytelling. You know that I I have agreed with you about that Mm -hmm. uh, on Buffy and Angel Mm -hmm. um, in some of my appearances on those shows. Like, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. I I feel like uh, they... I don't even know if it's that genre, but I will say those shows specifically really lean hard on religious imagery but don't want you to look too like they but want to take advantage of the yes. depth, but they don't want you to look at it very deeply. Right. Mm-hmm. What I think about superhero stuff when when mythological or fantastical elements get injected into superheroes, mm-hmm. a lot of that this will shock you. A lot of that nuance kind of gets scraped off, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is on one hand, this is a ridiculous idea, but what would the average Viking think of Marvel's Thor? Right. Mm-hmm. It's not going to bear any real resent. Like, are there bits? He's going to be like, well, he's got a fucking hammer, but I don't know what these <laughs> winged helmet. Why is he fucking blonde? I mean, like, there's all it, they're going to yeah. kind of get it, but not really get mm-hmm. it, you know? And what I think is really fascinating about this is we get a very vaguely Christian idea yeah. of heaven here, but like all the nuances stripped off of mm-hmm. it. Like just, just, it just becomes, which maybe, maybe that's why a lot of these genre mashups work in superhero comics. Cause like a lot of the, the hard edges get sanded down yeah. to where they will fit together well enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, I kind of love it. Yeah. Like I kind of like that, that Morrison reached into this kind of potentially mm-hmm. anathema, Grab bag yeah. because, you know, introducing, well, let's say there is a huge portion of the Earth po- Earth's population right now that would not consider this mythology. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like a different kind of animal than just picking up Thor or right. Zeus or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do it here and just treat it. I mean, you could imagine a thousand years in the future, uh, uh, Christianity is... Yeah. gone mm-hmm. and and if this was written into the comic book it would be like the same as us picking up thor in 1960 exactly. whatever and, exactly you know yeah. and and i like that i like that mm-hmm. we just dodge a lot of the harder questions because we don't need them to actually answer the harder questions because this is for fun not for religion <laughs> right. you know exactly exactly um yeah it's it's kind of cool and it doesn't it doesn't not work for me you know angels felt like a lot you know, but at the same time, like all of it is a lot, you know, like at this point, yeah. everything is dialed up to 11. So why not? Yeah, let's just go ahead. It'll be fine. <laughs> you know, so I find it interesting. I love the demons. I think the demons are a lot of fun and they do feel like consistent with DC lore of demons and all yeah. of that kind yeah. of stuff. So I really, really like that. Um, all right. So are we ready to talk about Qatar and who that is and what that's about? I actually wanted to point out one more little oh, yes, yes. sort of story mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. with Heaven and Hell that yeah. I really appreciate. Yeah. Is that 
I don't think you need to blow heaven and hell up big enough to be in a superhero mm-hmm. universe. But, you know, there's a lot of superhero bombast. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But how are we introduced to hell? Hell, like heaven, is right it's here. right here. Mm-hmm. It's at hand. Yeah. A certain somebody with some inside information might say mm-hmm. that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's the same thing. And hell is like right here. And you get this at the same time that there's all this superhero bombast, you get this kind of like, again, small parochial, you know, approach to, yeah, they're just, it's just right fucking here. And one of them is big gold pyramid in the sky. Mm-hmm. And the other one was like hidden in the edges. But uh, yeah, I just really appreciated this kind of like low key yeah. ver- vision of hell that, you know, is evocative of, again, like deeper, not deep, because there's a lot going on here, but like things that have a lot of deeper meaning mm-hmm. or themes, mm-hmm. you know, like the idea of hell. I'm not going to go into deep, but if you're a reader of C.S. Lewis and you haven't read The Great Divorce, that's a lot of folks. Uh-huh. Read it. Yep. It's absolutely fucking fascinating. <laughs> and um, because of the approach to hell, that it's just it is simultaneously as wide and deep as despair, but it also is like really small and fits between the spaces. Yeah. Because evil is small. Mm-hmm. Evil is banal. Mm-hmm. Evil has no depth. So is it expansive? Oh, yeah. Like wide as an ocean, deep as a puddle. Yeah. And we get that mm-hmm. at the same time that we have angels fucking shit up in San Francisco. <laughs> so multiple levels. All right, I love it. Okay, so Qatar, what is that? Okay, uh, Aquaman looks at Zoriel and says Qatar, and he's like, "Oh no, I thought you were somebody else." What is that about? Okay, Whew. I'm gonna do this one quick because it does not matter, except uh-huh. it entertains me that Morrison was specifically trying to replace a a type of character. Uh-huh. Uh, he was trying to replace a specific character with a type of character. Okay. And the specific character that he was trying to replace was Hawkman. Okay. And the reason that he is trying to replace Hawkman is, and this is going to be very difficult to believe as I move from 1999 to the future talking about <laughs> Hawkman. But at the time, Hawkman was like radioactive, anathema, dead, gone. We will not be looking at or talking mm-hmm. about Hawkman mm-hmm. again. And the reason for this was way back in the day, in like in 1940 for the JSA, they introduced Hawkman, and he is uh, essentially an archaeologist mm-hmm. um, who realized he's the reincarnation of a pharaoh, and it was a pharaoh with access to super science, and he did some super science shit, and he goes out and he fights crime as Hawkman. The super science shit he got to do was basically make himself weightless so he could fly like like, ah, mm-hmm. and then he was really good with like ancient weapons because reincarnated so okay. he would knock you the fuck out with a mace or whatever mm-hmm. pretty basic as superhero as superheroes go, go right yes mm-hmm. low-key right okay then crisis on infinite earths happens mm-hmm. in 1985 which i've mentioned before is like yes uh they rebooted the universe right and the version of hawkman that they introduced to this new universe is katar hall h-o-l okay right mm-hmm. kind of sounds like carter hall katar hall sure. and he is an actual bird man from the planet Thanagar. So okay. they take him out of this kind of mystical fantasy space and move him into a science fiction space. And then a whole bunch of other shit happens in between where people get like nostalgic for the old shit and they try and make Carter Hall reincarnated Prince Khufu and Katar Hall space cop from Thanagar 
work together. And it's such a clusterfuck that even DC editorial was like, fucking stop it. You've, you've messed it up. He doesn't fit anywhere anymore. Uh-huh. Leave him alone. And there was no Hawkman like to be found mm-hmm. at this time. He was off limits. Shortly after this, though, a couple of guys, David Goyer, who has written many screenplays mm-hmm. of you know films that you've seen, and Jeff Johns, who is now in charge mm-hmm. of big chunks of DC Comics. Yes. Mm-hmm. They were just writing Justice Society of America at the time, and they wanted to use all the old throwback characters. And they managed to bring Hawkman back and begin this long, slow <laughs> redemption to where DC editorial didn't have to hold their nose all the time. Mm-hmm. And the reason that that is fucking bonkers, that there was a time when Hawkman was off limits, the reason that's insane is... He was in a summer blockbuster last year. <laughs> played by fan favorite, Lonnie and Josh yes. favorite, Aldous Hodge. I love him. Hardison from Leverage. Those of you who may not remember, yes. he's fab- fabulous. Yes. Mm-hmm. Got to be Hawkman in the <laughs> Black Adam movie. Now, I'm a little loath to call Black Adam a blockbuster because mm-hmm. it kind of fucking tanked. Yeah. And... Mm-hmm. It kind of fucking deserved it. Um, but we, we, I mean, I know it's been a long time mm-hmm. from there to here, but there was a time when this character, who is now in a fucking tentpole action film of the DC universe, <laughs> DC editorial was like, you all fucked him up, and that's why we can't have nice things. And nobody gets to have him. <laughs> okay, so my question is, why make that reference... Now, what is the relationship with Aquaman? The Aquaman okay. would be so like, oh they my were friends. god. Okay, so they were friends. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They were in the JLA together. Like okay. he knew Kadar. Okay. Like, like, like he's in the club mm-hmm. and then he's gone because he's dead or whatever the hell right. they did. It was like shuffle him off to the side and not talk <laughs> about him. And because Grant is doing this like big guns thing, mm-hmm. he wants to nod in the direction of one of the kind of, you know, big guns, like sort of secondary big guns, sure. you know, mm-hmm. this character that's been around forever. They want to nod at that, but they're not allowed. <laughs> so they introduce a different winged superhero in Zariel and then hangs a lampshade on the fact that they're doing it by having Aquaman do the same thing all of us would do, which was like, oh, fuck, is that hot? <laughs> because so many layers deep that is such a deep cut. And for them to take the time in a panel to have that reference, considering how fast they're moving with so many different moving parts, that's hilarious. <laughs> but but it's also kind of a moment of humanity yeah. for Aquaman because well, he thinks this is like his dead his old friend. boyfriend or something. I thought maybe there was like a love story there or something going on. And I was like, hey, this is I mean, a bromance. A bromance. Yeah. Sure. Bromance. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes Hawkman and Aquaman would get teamed up and certain wise asses would refer to that as a uh, fish and fowl. <laughs> <laughs> but not where they could hear. Not okay. where they could hear. Sure, sure. Know. So, I get like, it. they get so, but I mean, they're friends, like, they're friends. Mm-hmm. So, there was a moment where Aquaman was like, Is my dead friend back? Because did we not just yeah. get done saying one issue ago that nobody gives a shit about superhero funerals cause because the bastards they all just come, come back, back, right? <laughs> It's a revolving door. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so he's like, oh, my friend is here. And, and notice when Zariel's mm-hmm. like, what did you call me? His response is, it's just somebody I used to know. Yeah. Like, 
gruff, hard-ass Aquaman is not going to have a heart-to-heart with this rando <laughs> with wings right. in the middle of all this other shit. In the middle of right? all yeah. of this stuff, yes. Uh, no, so it's, it's like the the yeah. walls come back up, and it's kind of it's kind of mm-hmm. awesome. Like, it's this moment of vulnerability, yeah. and then it's like, the hell you say, <laughs> you know. <laughs> We are entering the favorite part, <laughs> favorite part of the podcast where we discuss our favorite parts. Mm-hmm. Um, we, starting with art, um, I I know you had a hard time with this one, Lonnie, but yeah. please tell us your favorite piece of art and how you finally decided <laughs> that it was your favorite piece of art. What is ironic about that is as I look at my notes, I'm like, well, I have a favorite and then I also have a runner up. Um, because uh, I, yeah. I can't pick a favorite, so I'll pick two. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I have to say that, like, I think that my favorite is the page where Zariel falls into the San Francisco Bay. And John is there trying to, like, comfort him and make him feel better about this situation he's found himself in. I love the panels with the, the they're, like, a kind of, like, hand-drawn as opposed to, like, the sharp, mm-hmm. straight lines that we've had. There's, like, a, a green stroke, a very, like, organic-looking green stroke around it um it's just so freaking pretty like i love that page yeah. i love the way that it looks um but i have to say i really struggled because my runner up is the page where the demon is carrying the moon on his back um mm-hmm. and he gets the moon and so we have kind of like a little bit of overlapping of images on that page and it's so incredibly beautiful but in all honesty, like it's a tight call between those two favorite pages and every other page in the entire <laughs> thing. It's hard to pick a favorite yeah. page of Porter art. It's just, it's all so incredible. What did you come up with? So I'm a little simpler. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I usually do gravitate with the art to like one, yeah. you know, sort of big moment or mm-hmm. whatever. But there is so much going on in this issue, even for JLA, mm-hmm. that like when you were describing the hand-drawn gutters, I I, I was wanting to chime in that yeah. like they're not just hand-drawn, but like it's like the panels are stacked on top of yes. each other. Oh my God. And have just been moved so you can see the most of what's going mm-hmm. on. You know, like there's that much going on. So for me to zero in on one piece of art, I think I've got to come to the title page yeah. that's like a single splash, mm-hmm. uh, which is a splash page, ironic, because Zariel is landing in San Francisco <laughs> Bay, which I'm sure caused a big splash. But he's yeah. like upside down mm-hmm. and just kind of like spread almost kind of crucifix style. The wings are still mm-hmm. really big. It's our it's our first really good look at him. And he's a very cool yeah. design. Mm-hmm. Um, later, a little spoiler later on when he comes back, his like superhero outfit is this kind of armor stuff. And it looks cool. Cool, mm-hmm. But honestly, he's so damn cool. Like just like in his like when he's not sexually you know, harassing the only woman on the team. Then yeah. I said he looked cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so for me, it's that title page. Yeah. I just it just really and and if you are you know culturally prepared to go, oh shit, that's an angel. You know, mm-hmm. you we've already on that title page answered Lonnie's question of how does it get bigger than white Martians <laughs> right there. <laughs> It is absolutely right there. All right. So what's your favorite part of the story, the storytelling? My favorite part of the story is actually kind of tied to your favorite art in a way, because my favorite part of the story is when Jean just has had enough. Yeah. Just enough. Mm -hmm. We already did the speech. I love the speech. Gives me chills. And the part that I really, 
that kind of makes me laugh is he's really mad. Yeah. And Martian vision is big time shit. Like he shoot gives them a full face of it. And he's so proper about it. We will not do as we're instructed. <laughs> now, I know that this is directly in response to the angel saying, do as you're instructed. Right. But it's also just like, uh, you know, I've ripped your face off and now I'm going to have some tea. <laughs> you know, it's just got a little vibe to it like that. What about yourself, Lonnie? Your favorite part of this, like, 10 gallons of story in an 8-gallon bucket? I mean, seriously, yeah. I, you know, as I was doing this, I had so little idea of what was going on. Like, I felt like I understood the basic movements of it, but, like, what it all meant, what it all was, everything. I have to say, like, I think it's when Superman is holding the world on his shoulders, you know, yeah. and talking about his feelings with Flash, struggling with his own his own mythology, you know, like what yes, he is, what yeah. he means to the people that he tries to protect, you know, and all of that I felt like was just such a wonderful human moment. And it's funny because as we talk about, you know, Aquaman talking about Katar and like having that human moment, like, you know, John mm -hmm. having that human moment of fuck all y'all, I'm done with this shit. Like mm -hmm. all of that stuff. Like it's, I think it's always those human moments that are, that are going to be the big things that like draw me in and just like the, the weight of the world holding the world up like Atlas. And Superman is like, I don't know how to think about all this stuff. How does Batman do it? You know, all this kind of stuff. I really, yeah. I love all of that. It's, I mean, I, I've said this before when we were dealing with White Martians, um, but it's those moments mm -hmm. that give some kind of sense of scale. Yeah. Right? Like all of this is so big and I wouldn't want it a micron smaller, mm -hmm. right? But as we discussed with like a lot of the fights at the end of MCU movies where they're just kind of cartoons beating on each other, it's there's no sense of mm -hmm. scale to it. Yeah. We've lost that thread of humanity and that that we're able to like inject it, you know, mm -hmm. in a panel with Aquaman in a whole page with Superman and Flash. Yeah, it's really it's great. It's it really is. impressive. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's the salt, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's this thing would taste good anyway. Here's some salt and it just brings it out mm -hmm. by bringing it, you know, a little closer to earth. Yeah. We'll be back next week with JLA number 7, Heaven on Earth, in which the earth gets even closer to a disaster of biblical proportions. Until then, I think the apocalypse has arrived. Thanks for listening to In the Gutter with Joshua Unruh and Lonnie Diane Rich. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider talking about it with your friends, leaving a review somewhere, or supporting Chipperish Media, patreon.com slash chipperish. <laughs>